Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we systematically tackle our fears through faith. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, and ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping God's children live in freedom because life is much too short and we have way too much to do, too many lives to touch and hearts to heal for any of us to live enslaved. I would love to connect with you online. You can find my website. You can connect with me on social media. Just Google my name. And you can find my ministry online as well, Holy Loved Ministries, by Googling their name. That's Holy Love, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holylove.com. Today, we're talking about the most powerful way we can fight our fears, and that's through prayer. This episode is going to be a little different than normal as it's meant to act as a guide with explanations added in. And because of that, you may want to return and listen again, pausing the podcast periodically as you prayerfully work through the various prompts and some of the truths we cover, they might feel like a bit of a repeat from past episodes. That's intentional. I want to help us bring those truths that we've already discussed into our prayer lives. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is not an area that I'm all that strong in. I'm a doer, and sometimes prayer feels passive, but it's not. When I prioritize action over prayer, I'm placing my faith in myself, and that's a dangerous position to land in. When I make prayer my first priority, however, I demonstrate that I truly believe God is God, that he's all-powerful, loving, faithful, brilliant, attentive, and true. It's been said, quote, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray, unquote. I know that's true intellectually. Scripture clearly proclaims the power of prayer, and it urges us to pray without ceasing, but sometimes I forget until I land in a situation so beyond me, there's nothing else I can do. And honestly, that's where I've been lately. I'm not at liberty to go into detail, except to say that God has called me into an urgent and oh, so important battle. One that frankly feels hopeless. I'm up against such darkness. And I don't use that phrase lightly. I literally feel as if I'm fighting against the forces of hell on behalf of someone I care deeply for, someone who is quite vulnerable and in need of a miracle. And I referenced this some in my episode on having the courage to obey. God called me into this battle. I obeyed and things appeared to get worse. That was hard. Looking at the situation through my eyes, frankly, it seemed hopeless, and I was tempted to quit, but then God challenged me with a few things. He challenged me to remember his call, to remember that he indeed had called me to this fight, and therefore he expected one response and one response only, obedience. And second, that I needed to view the situation through his eyes, not mine. When I view the situation through God's eyes, through the lens of his infinite power and love, what originally seemed impossible suddenly becomes easily conquerable. I immediately thought of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3 states, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So think about that for a minute. 
that type of power, all we see, every force that exists from nations to mankind to every cell in our bodies, from mountains and rivers and oceans to the hydrological cycle formed by the mere word of God. He who brought light into darkness and life where none existed before can certainly bring life and light into our most challenging situations. And through this Hebrews passage, God challenged me to shift my focus off of what I saw with my eyes, off of how things appeared to reality, which was this. God was working on my behalf. He was working in the situation. And frankly, it didn't matter if I could see his hand or not. It didn't matter if things appeared immovable or if things appeared to have gotten worse. My perception had no bearing on reality. And the victory of the situation had nothing to do with me. God alone would bring about victory in that situation. In short, God reminded me to place my hope in him. And so I did. I started praying like I have never prayed before, and I still am. And I gathered a group of women to join me, nearly 30 women, in fact. We knew this situation was beyond us, but we also knew it was not beyond God. We knew how much we needed him. And so we committed to pray each day as one united group. And God has quite literally blown my mind. We have seen miracle after miracle. I have seen God answer prayer before, but never before have I seen him answer prayer so quickly, so precisely, and so consistently. We'll pray for something in the morning, and by that afternoon, God has answered every time. What's more, light has so obviously broken through. We've seen laughter and joy and hope where once we saw nothing but hopelessness and despair. So while I believed in prayer before, I'm now more certain than ever that prayer is the most powerful way I can fight my most intense battles. And not just because we're relying completely on God's character and limitless power, but also because we're positioning our hearts to hear him. And that is so, so crucial. You and I, we don't know how to fight our battles, our fears, whatever it is we feel is coming up against us. There's so much we don't see, so much we don't understand, but God sees and knows all. And so we connect with him. And as we do, he'll guide us. He'll show us what to say and what not to say. He'll give us assurances that can give us courage. He'll let us know when to speak and when not to speak, when to act and when to wait. I knew how crucial that was in my situation. The stakes were far too high for me to rely on my wisdom and my strength. I did not want to take a single step unless God directed it. As 19th century theologian A.J. Gordon wrote, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. In other words, before you do anything, pray. Whatever you're worried about, pray. Make prayer a habit, your most strategic battle plan against all that comes against you, knowing every moment spent in God's presence will progressively fill you with peace, clarity, and strength. And I want to help. I believe there are certain things we can pray for that will help in our battle against fear. So I am launching through this podcast a 30-day prayer challenge. And for this challenge, we're going to focus on each topic for a week. And that way our hearts can fully embrace each truth. And then 
Once we're done, I encourage you to follow this up by praying through my 30-day anti-anxiety prayer challenge. And you can find it on I Believe. I'll link to it in the show notes. And when you're done praying through that, I encourage you to read Susan Aiken's article also on I Believe on 10 Reasons We Have No Reason to Worry. You do those three things. Follow the prayer challenge we're about to discuss and then pray through each of those articles I mentioned. I guarantee you will experience increased freedom. Okay, you ready for our challenge? For week one, we're going to focus on God's glory. Like Moses, join me in praying, Lord, show me your glory. In Exodus 3, Moses had encountered God personally through a burning bush that remained burning without being consumed. And then through that bush, the great I am creator God spoke to him. Moses saw God's power and might through 10 plagues that he inflicted upon the Egyptians to force them to release his people. And then later, when the Egyptians chased the Israelites, the cloud of God, his presence, his glory stood between the Israelites and the Egyptians as their defender, their protector. And then he parted the Red Sea so that his people could cross on dry ground, releasing the water onto their pursuers once the last of the Israelites had passed. God led the Israelites with the cloud of his presence by day, his glory by day, and the fire of his presence, his glory by night. Then in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, God told him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So Moses had seen and experienced all this, God's power, his heart, his presence. He knew God's presence would remain with him. Yet still he said in verse 18, show me your glory. In other words, show me more of you. I want more, more of your power, your presence, and your love. As the unknown author of The Kneeling Christian states, quote, there is nothing like a glimpse of glory to banish fear and doubt. And we discussed this in episode one. The more we know God, who he is, what he's done, and what he's promised, the more we realize we have nothing to fear. Therefore, one of the best ways we can battle our fears is to say, Lord, show me your glory. Overwhelm me with who you are. God loves to answer that type of prayer. God, I want more of you. Show me who you are. The Hebrew word our Bible translates as glory. It means weight, splendor, or honor. According to John Piper, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. So in other words, God's glory is all that he is, his heart, his love, his power and wisdom, the vastness of all he is. When we ask to see his glory, we're saying, Lord, show me who you are. And that's a quest we will never reach the end of, but it's a pursuit worth engaging because the more we know God, the more we come to trust him and the greater our trust, the weaker our fear. So yes, Lord Jesus, show us your glory. Begin the week with that request. Ask it numerous times throughout the day. Lord, help me see your glory all around me in the clouds, the mountains, in the sky, in the hydrological cycle, and all your provisions to all your creatures across the globe. Show me your glory, your love, your power, and majesty in Christ's death and resurrection. Reveal yourself in the love between a mother and a child or a husband and a wife. Show me your power and brilliance in all that you've made, all that you sustain, and all that you display. 
and spend an entire prayer session proclaiming God's glory. The unknown author who wrote The Kneeling Christian, he suggested, when you begin to pray, use such expressions of the attributes of God as will make you sensible of his greatness and power. And then, as you do, really contemplate what you're proclaiming and how that speaks to your need and your fears. Next, pray scriptures that proclaim God's glory. And as you do, think deeply about them. What are they saying? And what does that truth or passage reveal about God? So to find verses on God's glory, simply Google keywords regarding God's nature. So for example, when I searched for verses on God's power, which is an aspect of his glory, my search engine brought me to a page that listed numerous. And then I can pray each one using the words of scripture and adapting them to make them personal as if I'm speaking that phrase to God personally. You might find it helpful to go back and listen to episode one again to hear numerous characteristics of God's glory to proclaim. As you're praying, periodically, rest. Just stop. Rest in his presence. Give God a moment to speak, to flood you with himself, should he choose. Rest in his presence and remain alert to the Holy Spirit within you. So remember, I'm giving you different tips that you will use throughout the week. So choose one of these each day. And then maybe on day three or day four, you can sing songs that proclaim God's glory. Songs are like prayers set to music. And as you sing, your spirit will connect with Christ on a deeper level. Pray that God shows you his glory on your behalf. Maybe journal your prayers, praising God for his power and his might and letting the truth of who he is surround you and fill you. Like I said, spend an entire week praying about God's glory, proclaiming it through word, through song, through writing, asking God to show his glory to you, to fill you with it so there's no room for anything else and to use his glory on your behalf like he did for the Israelites when they were fleeing Egypt. Then on week two, spend an entire week praying about God's perfect, pursuing, powerful, unconditional love. Scripture tells us that God's love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But in Christ, we are not punished. We are forgiven. We are absolved of guilt. We are set free. God's love tells us all powerful God, the one with perfect wisdom and complete sovereignty over all of creation is with us and is fighting for us always. Pray the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians 3 over yourself. In verses 16 to 19, he wrote, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So ask God to root and establish you in his love, to anchor you deeply, immovably in it, to help you see and experience the width and the depth of it, the incomprehensible vastness. Ask him to help you trust in his love, that he indeed does love you, is loving you, even when you don't feel his love. 
His love for you isn't dependent on your emotions or quite frankly, your worthiness. God's love is perfect, unconditional. He shows no favorites. This means he doesn't love the pastor any more than the prostitute. He loves all humanity with the fierce, perfect love that flows directly from his heart. He doesn't just love. He is love. And in his love, fear must flee. Some of you may be thinking, hey, I want that. I want to know God loves me, but I struggle to really believe that. And I have heard that from numerous women. They want to know how they can receive God's love when they feel so unworthy of it. I get that. That was me for a long time. Past wounds and hurtful experiences blocked me from receiving God's love. So I asked him to help me to search the depths of my heart, to remove everything, sin, hurts, deception, everything that got in his way and hindered me from fully experiencing his love. And he was oh so faithful. He helped me see that his love wasn't dependent on me or on anyone else for that matter. It stemmed from him, who he is at his core. One instance in particular helped me see God's love through the lens, not of my imperfections, but rather through his perfect heart. So my family and I, we developed a relationship with a woman at a local nursing home. Her name was Betty and she had Alzheimer's and initially her disease was relatively mild. She was able to play cards, hold conversations, that sort of thing. But over time, her condition worsened. And as it did, she became angry and mean. And this created a lot of problems for the other residents and the staff at the nursing home. And one day, one of her friends fell. And I don't know if she broke her hip, but something happened and she was taken to the hospital. And this worried Betty considerably. And it probably made her feel threatened, wondering what might happen to her if she was to fall as well. And so agitated and anxious, she asked if I would take her to visit her friend. I said I would. I got permission from her family, and then later that week, I arrived at the nursing home to pick her up, and I stopped by the activity director's office first to let her know what I was doing, and the woman just stared at me, and then her face turned really harsh, and she proceeded to tell me about all the ways Betty had acted ugly that week. She couldn't understand why I would willingly spend time with this woman when she acted as she did. And I left the activity director's office heartbroken. Here was a woman who was supposed to be Betty's caretaker, her advocate, speaking so critically. And maybe you've been there. Maybe someone reacted really harshly to something you said or you did to your imperfections. Maybe they condemned you and cut you off. And now you're carrying those feelings of rejection, those expectations of rejection into your relationship with Christ. I did that for so, so long. Until my interaction with Betty. After speaking with the activity director, I proceeded to Betty's room. I found her ready and anxious to leave. And so we left. And the entire drive to the hospital, I think it was like 15 minutes, her words seemed to prove the activity director's claims correct. Betty sounded angry. She sounded critical, unhappy about everything. And this continued as I pulled into the hospital parking lot and then guided her to the hospital entrance. People couldn't park right. The place was a mess. No one knew what they were doing. But then in the middle of her rants, I felt the Holy Spirit come over me and say with a whisper of his spirit to mine, I don't see her that way. I see her sickness, her disease. So in other words, God knew her behavior wasn't her. 
she was sick and she was acting out of that sickness. And I knew God was showing me that he viewed me, each one of us, the same way. He sees all of our ugliness, absolutely, but he sees it through our sickness, through our sin nature that is in desperate need of grace. He gives us all of his grace in love. When he looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of who he knows we can become. If you struggle to believe that, ask God to help you. Ask him to heal you so that you can rest unafraid in the shelter of his love. Ask him to help you rely on his love to enable you to receive it. And then do another Google search to find verses on his love and pray them, making them personal. For example, for John 3.16, if you were to pray it and personalize it, you might say, I thank you that you love me so deeply that you willingly gave your only begotten son. And through my belief in him, God, you granted me eternal life. If you struggle feeling unworthy of God's love, pray 1 John verse 4.10, which states, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If I were to personalize and pray that verse, I might say, God, this is love, not that I have loved you, but that you loved me and sent your son as an atoning sacrifice for my sins. Then ask him to help you believe and receive that, to believe and receive his love. Take some time prayerfully meditating on Zephaniah 3.17, which tells us God sings over us with joy. As you pray that verse, envision God singing over you. Maybe just rest for a moment and envision God singing over you, similar to how a mother might watch a joyful, laughing child. And remember that God's love for you, his child, is so much greater than any human relationship you'll ever witness. Praise God for the steadfastness of his love and the knowledge that all he does in our lives and the lives of our loved ones stems from his perfect love. When you feel rejected or fear rejection, thank him for his promise to never leave you or forsake you. So again, spend an entire week diligently praying about his love, thanking him for it one day, proclaiming the truth of it the next day, meditating on its vastness the day after that, asking him to reveal it to you the day that follows, and asking him to help you receive his love after the day that follows after that. And then spend week three focused on gratitude and thanksgiving. Something powerful happens when we pause in the middle of our most anxious moments and desperate cries to thank God for who he is, all he's done, and all he's promised. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This passage tells us to seek peace from God, but notice we are to do this with thanksgiving. I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. God placed that parenthetical insert with thanksgiving in the middle of that passage intentionally. Some people have suggested that this means to thank God in faith for providing the answers to our requests before they have actually been answered. Well, I view this passage differently. I think he's saying, pause to thank God for all you have and all he's done. Remind yourself in the middle of your crisis of ways God has worked in the past, specifically in relation to that particular request. 
There is such power in that. Lord, our finances are tight and I fear I'm going to lose my job. Please protect my career. And thank you so much for providing this job in the first place. I know my position and my paycheck come from you. And then continue thanking him for specific and precise ways he's cared for you in areas related to your particular fear or request in the past. We need to really sit in that and all we have and all God's done because our fears make us lose sight of that. We can forget the truth of who he is and who we are in him. And honestly, many of our fears are rooted in discontentment. For example, I can get pretty anxious when a deadline hits, especially if the project feels particularly challenging. My fear? Well, one is that I won't do a good job and that my publisher will drop me. And that would be really hard because I love to write, but Contentment tells me God loves me and knows what's best for me. Contentment grounded in gratitude tells me I will be happy with however God leads, whatever God allows. And contentment and gratitude helps me shift my focus off of what might happen to the blessings that already have occurred. And this helps elevate my mood, which in turn reduces my anxiety. And there is science behind this. So gratitude, when cultivated and practiced, has a powerful effect on our brains and our bodies. It can act as a natural antidepressant by causing our body to release dopamine and serotonin, to feel-good neurochemicals. Gratitude also helps our brain release negative emotions by activating two areas in our brain that help regulate emotion. Gratitude helps to reduce pain, most likely connected with the release of dopamine, and it reduces our stress hormone, cortisol. It deepens our sleep. It stimulates the parts of our brain that manages negative emotion. Just 10 minutes a day, of counting our blessings can dramatically alter our brain chemistry for good. Now, keep in mind, this practice has something of a cumulative and progressive effect, meaning you might not notice the difference immediately, but over time, with consistency, you will. I promise. Try it for a week. Fill your prayers with thanksgiving. Keep a prayer journal and in it, know everything you have to be thankful for each day. Then, As with the other weeks, take a day where you meditate on and pray scriptures related to thankfulness. Ask God to increase your thankfulness to make you more alert to what I like to call God kisses. So those are those unexpected rays of sunshine that God provides. And maybe spend an evening or a morning journaling on all the things about God, about his character, about his nature that you are most thankful for and why. And then finally, for week four, diligently pray against your fear. Like I've shared in a previous episode, this is a battle. It's an internal battle within ourselves, but it's also one with spiritual components. So pray that God helps you recognize and live in your warrior status because in Christ, you are victorious. The victory has already been won. Christ defeated all the powers of darkness when he died on the cross and rose from the grave in victory. And the powerful, life-transforming Holy Spirit lives within you, giving you the power to grab hold of all Christ's grace provides. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Try this for a week. Finish out this 30-day prayer challenge, and then shoot me a message through my website or through social media, letting me know how it went. And when you're done, make sure to pray through those two articles I mentioned linked in the show notes. To clarify and reiterate, for those who got a bit lost in all my words, for week one, pray on and about God's glory, proclaim it, ask him to reveal it, to help you experience it, to help you rest in it. Week two, pray consistently and thoroughly about God's love. Ask him to show you and fill you with the depths of his love, to enable you to grasp its vastness, to help you receive it, and to help you live in it. For week three, fill your prayers and your heart with gratitude, knowing you're nourishing your soul and changing your brain chemistry for the better. And finally, actively pray against your fear, actively and consistently. Whenever your fear rises up, ask God to remove it from you and replace your anxiety with peace. Prayer is the most powerful weapon against fear you and I possess, and it's a weapon that is always within our grasp. When we prioritize prayer, we reveal that we truly believe God has the power to change us and our situations, and in His presence, we experience peace and joy. I hope today's episode gave you a fire in your heart to pray more and fret less. I'm pretty sure that's an area we can all improve in. I sure can. And the beautiful thing is the more I pray, the more I recognize the miraculous effects of prayer, which inspires me to pray even more. So let's end in prayer, shall we? Dear Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for inviting us to always come to you with all of our requests. Draw us closer to you and fight our fears on our behalf. In your victorious name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and make sure to check out some of my past episodes to learn of other powerful ways to fight your fear with faith. I would be super encouraged if you would rate this podcast. That helps others to find it. And make sure to share it with your friends, with your faith communities, and on your social media outlets because life is much too short for any of us to live enslaved to fear. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stressless podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science inspired by God's Word to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.